You're listening to the Grace Church Podcast, a weekly podcast dedicated to bringing you biblical guidance to life's most important issues. We want to thank you for joining us for this week's message. We pray you find strength and encouragement as we learn from God's truth together. For more information, go to visitgracechurch.com. Hey guys, um, I want to begin with a question for you. Sheila and I have been talking about this, praying about this. Here's our question for you. Are you accepting God's love for you right now? Are you accepting of God's love for you like right now? So you right now are embracing how much God loves you. See, if you've received Jesus Christ as Savior, you are right now accepting his forgiveness in Christ. You're accepting the fact that every sin you've ever committed has been cleansed like it never happened. And you accepted the fact that God has restored purity and innocence in your life. That's what the Bible says. Are you accepting of God's love for you? If you've received Jesus Christ as Savior, you're accepting of the fact that God has adopted you as a full member of his family. You're a child. You're a daughter or son of God. You're accepting of the fact that God has assumed full responsibility for your care. He loves you personally. You're accepting of the fact that he finds joy in you because of Jesus Christ. Are you accepting of God's love for you? Sometimes I think the things that we, um, it's the things that we know about ourselves. It's the things we know about our past or our present or our secrets that hold us back from really accepting God's love for us. And that's our topic today. We're talking about the fact that we were designed by God for acceptance. The fact that God has changed you. When you, when you find someone who actually believes that, accepts that, embraces that, they're different people. And so we've seen five key women of the Bible so far, Eve, Deborah, Esther, Hannah. This week is the woman at the well. We're going to be in John chapter 4, the woman at the well. In John chapter 4, we'll find a woman, and, and Sheila and I have been talking, we're going to talk about John chapter 4 today. It's the story of a woman who had every reason to believe she should not be accepted by Jesus Christ. I mean, she's a Samaritan. The Jews hated the guts of Samaritans. I can't even communicate how much they hated them. And she's a Samaritan. She wouldn't be accepted by him. Uh, she's a woman. He's a man. In that culture, that was not acceptable to have this kind of conversation by a well. Jesus is sinless. And she's an absolute sinner. He knows all about it. She's made a mess of her life. Have you, are you accepting God's love for you? So this week, Sheila and I, we looked at this passage in John chapter 4. We talked about the various ways that she encountered God's love, started learning about it. Well, we have four thoughts for you. I'll kind of set up who the Samaritans were in just a moment. But I'm gonna, uh, Sheila will take on the first two thoughts from this story of how she starts to understand God's love. I'll take on the second two thoughts. Maybe you feel like you couldn't say yes because you know about yourself. Because unfortunately, you have like this conditional version of God's love. See, you know what you've done. You've not tried hard enough. You've not fixed things. You've not kicked that habit. And so you still hold yourself to a standard that God himself doesn't hold you to. Because Jesus Christ died for every sin. He's purged you of every sin. Your shameful past in Christ, if you received him, has not only been forgiven. 
It's been cleaned up, cleansed, restored purity and innocence. And God finds you with joy now because of Christ. Let's pray and we'll look at the woman at the well. God, we do come to you and we ask you to show us this story of the woman at the well to see how it applies to all of us. All of us are the woman at the well. All of us find ourselves at different points unworthy of your love and acceptance and goodness. And you love us and accept us because of the sacrifice, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the ascension. God, I pray that you would speak to us about acceptance. Help us to see how we are in this story, in this woman. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, amen. So I want to begin by just sharing this question. Who are the Samaritans? Who are the Samaritans? This is actually a modern-day photo. This is taken back in 2015 when the, there's only 800 Samaritans in the world left now and only two cities in the Holy Land. At one point, there was 1.2 million Samaritans. Now there's less than 800 living in the Holy Land, one on the West Bank, one on in Israel's side. So who are the Samaritans? Originally, you can actually write down in 2 Kings chapter 17, you can find the story of the origin, 2 Kings 17, of the Samaritans. Where, who are the Samaritans? They were originally, uh, they were biracial and bi-religious. So these are the descendants of the Jewish remnant who was left after their, their friends were taken away into slavery. And people from Iraq... Arabs from Iraq who were imported into their former homes. And those people, the Iraqis and the Jews, intermarried their descendants. It's a biracial group and a bi-religious group. So their descendants had paganism as their religion, but then they encountered Judaism. They grabbed the first five books of Moses called the Pentateuch. They grabbed it for themselves and rewrote it. Here's what they rewrote. The holy city is not Jerusalem. The holy city is Samaria, a northern city. So basically the Jews hated them. They created this hodgepodge religion based on the first five books of Moses where Samaria is the capital, not Jerusalem. They're also biracial. They were hated. Jewish rabbis in Jesus' day would debate, do you think the Samaritans even have souls? I don't even think they're they're even fully human. Like they hated their guts. And so this woman had every reason to believe no Jew accepted her. She had no reason to believe that Jesus would accept her. And we're going to see in her story, we were also designed for acceptance. So let's put this question on the screen, guys. Here's our question for you, to ask you. Are you right now, are you accepting God's love for you right now? Do you accept the fact that he, in Jesus Christ, if he received him, forgiven you, cleansed you, restored purity, full care for you, finds joy in you? It is not related to what you have done or have not done. It's based on the cross. Take a minute to pray about that. Think about that. Well, that question, that question, are you accepting God's love? As Christians, we want to say yes. We're supposed to say yes, right? But if we really think hard about it, I think you might have been like 
like I was for so long that it was just this generic love. Kind of like, I love Chiefs football. I love this church. Like we just stiff arm God into this generic, he loves us. One of the first ways we see the woman at the well accept God's love is we see her accept his love for her personally. Are you accepting God's love for you personally? So our story starts by Jesus traveling to her town. To her well where she goes every day to get this life-sustaining water. Every day she goes there. Now, this town, it's a small town called Sakar. The Jews would not typically go through this town because they avoided Samaria. Because, like Tim said, they hated the Samaritans. So they wouldn't have went through there. So when the apostles went to this town with Jesus, they were uncomfortable. They felt out of place. Everybody knew that they didn't belong there. So being in a small town, I'm from a small town. I understand small town life. Now, I know some of you may think that Western Kansas is Salina, but I'm from way Western Kansas. Like where there's a really small town, there's more cows than people. And there's one paved road, and there's a bank, a post office, and a bar. Sounds like the beginning of a really bad joke. But that's really where I'm from, this really small town. So I understand when I look at the woman at the well and her small town life. You see, in a small town, everybody knows everybody. We know everybody knows each other's business. There's also this great sense of family and community. But we see Jesus go through this town and he stops at a well. And he runs into our woman, but it's noon. Typically, women went to the well first thing in the morning before it got too hot. And when it was this communal time for them to talk together and just kind of catch up for the day. Why was our woman not there until noon? Scripture doesn't tell us, but I have an idea being from a small town. Everybody knows everybody's business. And we find out later in the story that our woman is living a little shady lifestyle. She's living in sin. So I think... She didn't go to the well in the morning with all the other women because her shame kept her from going at that time. Who wants to look at people in the eye when you have this shame in your life? They probably weren't going to talk to her anyway because we all know they were probably talking about her. So she just wanted to avoid all of that and just go at at noon when there's nobody there and that nobody's going to talk to her. But somebody did talk to her. And it was a man. Let's look in in John verse 7. John 4 verse 7. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, give me a drink. Jesus said to her, Jesus talked to her, a woman, a Samaritan. A sinner. And this is where Jesus starts to go across all of the stereotypes of race and gender and religious Stereotypes and he talks to her personally and get this. It's the longest 
documented one-on-one conversation in all of scripture with a woman that he shouldn't have been talking to. And he reaches in to have this one-on-one conversation with her and show her love personally. And she responds to him in John 4, 9. She says, Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. She's shocked. Like, why are you talking to me? It's because he wants to show her love personally. Just as he wants to show you love personally. See, accepting God's love for you isn't this generic love that we've kind of chalked it up to be. It is this one-on-one personal relationship. We see just one chapter earlier in John 3.16, we all know the verse. And it says, for God so loved the world. And so we give it that generic world. But what if you put your name in the blank? What if you said, for God so loved Sheila, or for God so loved Tim? Do you believe that your name can go right there? For God so loved you, that he gave his one and only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Do you believe that if it was just you, that he still would have went to the cross That he still would have chose that if it was only for you. Because he would have. Because he loves us that much. And just like the woman of the well, we are designed for acceptance and we're designed to accept that love in a personal manner. But God's love for you isn't just personal. It's unconditional. And that's the second way we see God show her acceptance and through love is God's love for you is an unconditional love. Have you ever felt that you were not enough? That you just weren't good enough, successful enough, thin enough, pretty enough, just not enough? That the sins of your past is just too much. That if anybody really knew the real you, what you've done, God's love wouldn't be for you. I know I sure have. And if we're honest, we probably all can relate to that at some time. And our woman at the well definitely can relate to that. Let's look at John verse 4, starting in 16. Jesus said to her, go, call your husband and come here. And the woman answered and said, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you Have well said, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband. In that you spoke truly. Jesus already knew her situation. He already knew this information. He didn't ask for his sake. He asked for her sake. We find our Samaritan woman, she is admitting where she's at in her life. And what's going on in her situation? Jesus is a sinless sinless man talking to a sinful woman in a one-on-one personal conversation. 
And he didn't say what she's doing, what her current state was, was okay. He just loved her in her current state. And there's so many times I hear people say, oh, I'll come to church when I get my life cleaned up. Or Sheila, you don't understand what I've done. I even had one person tell me my, I'd probably be struck by lightning if I come to your church. These are stories we tell ourselves that God's love isn't for us. But see, God's love is unconditional. And I know that that's foreign to us because we live in a performance-oriented culture. But Jesus doesn't love you because you're good enough. Jesus doesn't stop loving you because you sin. Jesus' love is unconditional, and he just loves us. So like the woman at the well, we were designed for that acceptance and to accept his love unconditionally. The question that Tim and I would like for you to think about and pray about for just a little bit right here is that do you really believe that? Do you believe in God's unconditional love for you? This uh, question goes so counter to everything in our natural being. This question Sheila shared with us. Do you believe God's love unconditional? God's unconditional love for you? It's because we want a piece of our, our goodness. Way, way down deep, our, our soul, our sinful soul wants a piece of it. You realize how offensive it is to God to not accept this? totally offensive. Imagine from God's perspective, God loves you. He gives you his son. He takes every sin you've ever committed. He puts it on his son. His son pays for everything. It is finished. Done. Now, no matter what you do, because you've received Christ as savior, it's forgiven. I'll clean it. If you confess it, I'll restore total purity. Like it never happened. Oh no, Lord, I, that's not good, good for you, but not good enough for me. Here's how offensive it is to Almighty God to not embrace and just accept God's unconditional love for you. That it's not based on you. It's based on Christ. It's based on the fact that Christ lived the perfect life you couldn't. Not your life. It's based on Christ dying for your sin, your sins, not you paying for them. It's based on Christ being buried, not you being buried. Christ rising from the dead, not you rising. Christ ascending, Christ at the right hand of God. You don't need any more than Christ. He offers you everything. When you receive Christ, he gives you everything. Do you believe God's unconditional love? Now, this Sheila did a fantastic job. This woman has experienced personal love. He sat down with her at the well personally. 
which was shocking. Then, as Sheila talked about, it's unconditional. He called out her stuff and didn't treat her any different. It's one thing to confess your own worst thing or four things to people. It's another thing for someone else to come up and say, hey, let me tell you the four worst things you've done. She's like, how did you know that about me? It's actually five plus one, right? So this is her situation. Here's our third thing she's about to encounter. Accepting God's love for you in Christ. She finally ties personal love and unconditional love to being found in Jesus. She gets it. So it says in John chapter 4, verse 19, after Jesus called out her mess, she's like, either you're the Messiah or you hired a private detective. I'm not sure. Are you following me around? Like, how do you know me? You're not been around. This is a small town. We know people. How did you know this about me? John chapter 4, verse 19. The woman said to him, sir, understatement of the, of the day, I perceive that you are a prophet or a private detective. Not sure which. You have found out stuff about me you should not know. So they get this discussion about Samaritanism in the Samaria versus Judaism in the South. Where is worship? And then she makes this comment, verse 25. The woman said to him, well, I know the Messiah, the anointed one, is coming, who is called Christ. Messiah is the Hebrew word. Christ is the Greek word. It's the anointed one. She believes the coming of Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Okay, you told me my mess. But the Messiah is going to tell everyone their mess, plus everybody the hope they have. I mean, he's going to tell everything. Jesus makes this comment. Next verse. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. He is the embodiment of personal love. The Messiah is talking to her. Unconditional love. The Messiah. Jesus didn't criticize her. He didn't say her lifestyle of living with this guy was right. It wasn't right. But he wasn't criticizing or making her feel worse. He was saying, listen, I'm, I'm going to die for that sin too of you, the sin of you living together, not committing. I'm dying for that too. I love you completely. And she believes it. She realizes that personal love of God for her and unconditional love of God for her, is found in Jesus Christ, the Messiah. It's what you see over in Romans chapter 8. Romans 8 talks about all the ways you cannot lose the love of God. Where is God's love? It's found in Jesus Christ. He says, well, what, can, what cannot take away the love of God? Nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing, which includes you. You can't lose God's love. You're a created thing. Angels can't make you lose God's love. Demons can't. Your decisions can't. Others can't. The universe can't. No other created thing should be to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. She gets it. She's standing, talking to the living embodiment. God's love walking around. God's love walked into a city Jews don't walk into. God's love engaged in conversations with the type of people you wouldn't think to talk to. And God's love showed her personal unconditional love. And she's like, this is where love is. This is the moment when you decide or you realize, yes, God's love is found in Jesus Christ. That's where his love is found. And when you receive him as Savior, no created thing, including you, can't even lose it. You can't. It's unconditional. 
It's found in Jesus Christ, not based on your effort, not based on your works. Have you received the unconditional personal love found in Jesus Christ? And are you making sure you don't need anything else? Like when you receive Christ as Savior, you don't need anything else beyond him for the love of God, for the experience of God. One of the great other great offenses to Almighty God is when you receive Jesus Christ as Savior, oh, more, I want more of you, God. That is an offensive thing to God. Because when God gives you everything, when he gives you Jesus Christ, you begging for more, he's given you everything. You don't need more. You've got everything. Read Ephesians 1, 2 Peter 1, Colossians 1, over and over and over. He's given you everything in Christ. You already have more because you have all. Now, when you receive this love, it changes you. Number four, we see this happen. Accepting God's love for you changes your purpose. It changes your purpose. You can actually see this in people. Like when they get set free, they go from sadness to joy. They go from being beat up in their head with these voices and self-criticism and other criticism to peace. There's a difference. And you see this happen in her life. There's a difference. It says this in John 4 verse 28. John chapter 4 verse 28 says this. The woman then left her water pot, went her way into the city, and said to the men, she came for water. I'm going to get water like I've done. We estimated, Sheila and I kind of ran the numbers over the course of a lifetime, maybe ten to 20,000 visits to a well. I mean, she left her water pot. When you meet Jesus, whatever baggage you're carrying, you leave with Jesus. That's what happens when you get changed. You leave your water pot. She left her sins. She left her life. She left her old way. She left her guiltless, left it with Jesus and ran off. That's what happens when you receive the unconditional personal love of Christ. You leave your junkola with Jesus. You run off without your weight. Your old purpose, not your purpose. You thought your purpose was to raise nice kids and have grandkids. Nope. You leave your water pot. Yes, they're blessing a part of it. You're here to help people in the city get set free. You thought your goal was to get to retirement or stay out of bankruptcy. Nope. Your goal is to leave that water pot like it changes you. And she runs in the city. and They're like, okay, five husbands. She must be, by the way, some sort of Samaritan hottie. You don't get married five times and live with guy number six without guys going, well, uh, maybe I'll give it a try. Five husbands living with dude number six, and here she comes. I'm at dude seven. They're like, oh yeah, I bet you met dude seven. She's like, no, not the same kind of dude. This guy knew my past. Could this be the Christ? He changed me. Look what it says in the next verse. Verse 29. Come, see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? When you meet Jesus Christ, you finally get set free to joy. You can't wait to tell people. You want them to have the joy, them to have the peace. Because your junk Ola of your past, Jesus heard, paid for, accepted, and you left it with him. That water pot, water pots are a picture of our lives too. We in the Bible are compared to water pots. She left her life with Jesus. My old life, my whole life, I leave with you. My whole life is yours. That's what happens to somebody who 
finally gets it that they've been accepted by God through Jesus Christ. Everything has changed. And because this woman heads into this city, this small town of Sychar, where who knows how many people talk bad about her. Who knows how many people? Uh, half the town related to her. Five husbands, one dude she's living with. They're all like, oh, here she comes. They came out of the city. They met Jesus. A revival broke out because of one woman who didn't feel accepted, who received the forgiveness. Sometimes you're sharing your secrets with someone who's a trusted religious leader and having them say, I accept you. Set you free. She experienced that. How about you? Why does God have you engaging with this message this weekend? Maybe you're sitting in Olathe, you're in the venue, you're in South Overland Park's auditorium, you're online, I don't know. Maybe for you, it's really embracing. It's not about you. His love is not based on you. It's never been about you. It's about Jesus Christ. Are you willing to accept the fact that God's love and forgiveness and cleansing is about Jesus Christ and not your efforts? Maybe. You have a water pot you've been carrying around. It's your purpose in life. It's your weight. It's your life. And this encounter with Jesus causes you to say, I'm leaving it with Jesus. I'm no longer carting this weight around. Maybe it's somebody you know that you're like, I've, got, I've been changed. I can't wait to tell them. Heading to the people that may well know your past and look down on you and say, listen, there's a difference. I met Jesus and I'm changed. And I want that for you too. I want that for you too. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you would work in people's lives that if they're at this moment, the Holy Spirit has made them ready to receive the personal, unconditional love of Jesus Christ, the cross the resurrection, the perfect life offered for them, the ascension into heaven, your being at the right hand of God, your glorification, your story is our power, our deliverance. Maybe it's time for them to receive. They're ready. The unconditional gospel love of Jesus Christ. Maybe for people, they need to leave, leave the water pot at the well with Jesus. Just drop that burden and walk away because you've received them. Maybe it's somebody you have them to tell. Lord, move in our midst. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you have questions or would like to contact us for prayer, please email us at info at visitgracechurch.com. For more information about our ministries, location, and service times, go to visitgracechurch.com.